We are born at war. At birth, our sinful nature has already declared war on God and His truth. Our heart's desire is to be separated from Him, and if we persist in this desire until death, He will give us what we want. In Romans 12.8, Paul exhorts, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. This Spirit produces the fruit of peace in us as we yield our will to His leading and our actions to His word. Only God can create peace in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the peace mentioned in Galatians 5 is the peace of a harmonious relationship with God. The timing was just about perfect. You, you just saw the tail end of Nicholas and Pawson. Thank you guys for taking care of these things for us. You know, every Sunday, uh, we, we have volunteers showing up very early in the morning to serve this church, and so I just want to say how thankful I am to our, our worship people, our band, our singers, our tech people, our cameramen. Say thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And I'll tell you, if they were here to fix that, we wouldn't be having this TV right now. So, some of you uh, may be familiar with this scene. In case you don't know who that is, that's John Lennon and Yoko Ono. In 1969, they what they called a uh, a bed in, and uh, and they decided they were going to stay in bed. And, um, and in so doing, raised the issue of the need for peace in the world. And they wrote a song, John Lennon wrote a song called Give Peace a Chance. It's an anti-war song. And um, they, uh, what they did is they found a room in Montreal, Quebec at a hotel, and they put on a performance uh, singing this song, Give Peace a Chance. And uh, actually, the verses are absolutely nonsensical. If anybody's ever heard the song, it's absolutely nonsense. And, and then what they do is they just keep, keep saying and repeating the same words over and over and over again. Give peace a chance. It's a mind-numbing repetition of the same words. Give peace a chance. Give peace a chance. Well, did I lose you? Did you lose me? What's going on here? I don't have a microphone here, so maybe someone give me a microphone and I'll maybe change over here. Uh, so while it captured the hearts and the minds of millions, it actually didn't do anything, absolutely nothing, in fact, to bring world peace. Since then, wars and the threat of war has increased, and in fact, inner peace is more scarce today than ever, and it's no surprise because what we teach, what the Bible teaches, is that peace is a supernatural reality. Peace is something that comes from God. We try, we try to have peace. We try to produce peace. And the fact is, is that we so often fail. We even have peace treaties, and yet we still go to war with one another. So uh, yeah, let's have a microphone. Everybody give Nicholas a hand. Thank you, Nicholas. Okay, here we go. So. Here's what the Bible says. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, you all promised me that you were going to memorize this, right? So with your eyes closed, what is the third on the list of the fruit of the Spirit? Very good. Well, yeah, but if your eyes are open, you can see it, right? So I was, I was hoping you'd know it off by heart. So it's peace. Well, this peace first appears in Scripture as, as, well, in Hebrew, the word shalom. Some of you may have heard that word. We're going to talk more about shalom in just a moment. But basically, shalom refers to the blessing of God. In Greek, the word peace is irini, from which we get the name Irene. Is there any Irenes in the room? No, no Irenes? Well, maybe there'll be one in the second service. But Irene means peace. Now, whether or not uh, the women live up to that name or not is another... Well, we could ask the husbands, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but that's what it means. It just means peace. And the verb by which we get the word peace has to do with binding together. And it's... It's where we get the idea or the modern expression, having it all together. You've heard people say that. He's really got it all together. She's got it together. What we're talking about is peace, having inner peace. Everything is in place, and everything is as it ought to be. Well, we as Christians believe that God produces that in our lives. Pastor Tim Keller says, peace is confidence and rest in the wisdom and the control of God rather than in your own control. So, as we continue this nine-week series in the Fruit of the Spirit, uh, let me just say this. Many churches place a massive en emphasis on being led by the Spirit, and they have, have a, a massive uh, emphasis on the, the gifts of the Spirit. The problem with that. I mean, it's not wrong to, to have an emphasis there, but the problem if, is this. If you're only focusing on the gifts of the Spirit and on being Spirit-led, then what you have is what we would call a feelings-based theology. Now, if anybody's been to this church or attended this church for any length of time, you know that we are not a feelings-based theological uh, church. That's not how we function. We, we, we want to know what does the scripture say, and we'll take it from there, regardless of how we feel. Amen? Yeah, our feelings have nothing to do with that. Our feelings are fickle. How many would agree with that? Sometimes, sometimes our feelings lead us astray. They, get us, they make us confused. We don't really know what's right or wrong. Now, if you want to know what true spirituality looks like, well, then you need to look at this list. Because those who are truly spiritual have the evidence of the Spirit in their lives through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did I get them right? All right, thank you. Thank you, Charlene. So we, we are looking at this checklist, and we need to review this checklist on a regular basis to help us gauge what is going on in our spiritual lives, to see whether or not we're where we need to be. And if when going through the list, we discover that we're lacking joy, remember we talked about that last week, then we know that something is wrong spiritually. If we find that as we're going through that list that love is missing or peace is missing, then there's something wrong. And it's at that moment we need to stop whatever we're doing and we need to get before the throne of God and ask the Lord by his spirit to 
examine us and to reveal to us what is wrong. And I can guarantee you this, that if you're a Christian and you, you've put your faith in Christ, that when you pray and ask God to reveal to you what, why you're missing joy, why you're missing peace in your life, he will show you. He'll show you instantly, every time. Now, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, and this is what I have found through the years. God, by his spirit, does lead, but more importantly, he wants to produce in me this fruit of the spirit. So, as you go through the checklist, you see something's missing, you know that you're in trouble, and you know that you need to repent, and you need to confess your sin and get your life right with God. So let me ask everybody a question this morning. Do you have peace? Do you have, do you have inner peace? Do you have peace in your heart? Are you, are you anxious? Maybe you came to church feeling anxious, feeling worried, feeling uptight. Is there peace in your home? Is there peace amongst you and your friends? Is there peace between you and your workmates? You see, those of us who are Christians, we not only have inner peace, but peace follows us wherever we go. At least it should. And that's the problem. It so often does not. Now you see the need for this checklist. You need to be... You need to be in a place where you know the Spirit of God working in you, producing peace, but more than that, that because God dwells in you, wherever you are, peace reigns. Now, when I'm, talk, when I'm saying peace, I'm saying P-E-A-C-E, not P-E-A-S. Oh, well, it's taken a while. You guys are a little slow this morning here. And I'm not talking about P-I-E-C-E. We're talking about peace, the calm, the tranquility that comes from God. So let's take a look at this this morning. Peace, I said, was the shalom of God. And if you're wondering what the shalom is, well, basically it's the blessing and the favor of Almighty God. Now, God wanted his people to know that he loves them and that his people are his favored ones. Now, I don't know if you knew that today, but if you put your faith in God today, regardless of, of how perfect you are, you have God's favor. Did you get that? This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have God's favor. God loves you. Now, for some people, you think, well, the only way that God will love me, the only way I can have God's favor is if I never, if I never mess up, if I never make a mistake. A lot of people grew up like that. My dad tells me that that's how he grew up. He believed that, was, you know, that he would have God's love in his favor as long as he never messed up, never made a mistake. And some of you, you maybe have grown up with that too. Maybe it's your faith tradition that you came from. Maybe you came out of something like Roman Catholicism where it's not just faith but your works. You've got to do good works in order to know the favor of God. The favor of God, the shalom of God, the peace of God comes to us because we put our faith in Christ, because we are trusting him. Does this make sense this morning? Now, it is important for God's people to understand this because as long as they thought that God would hate them every time they made a mistake, guess what happens? 
They just think, well, they give up. There's no point in trying to be God's people because I'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to measure up. There's no point in pursuing this. But God wants us to know that he loves us. God wants us to know that he's your father. You are his children. In understanding this, he wants you to have his peace. And so... God instructed Aaron, we read this in Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to, to uh, 27. God instructed Aaron and his sons. And Aaron, by the way, in case you don't know, is the first high priest, the brother of Moses. And he was instructed to pronounce a blessing upon his people. Here's what it says, verse, uh, verse 23. Or verse 22, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is how you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, and this is what we call the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you. Well, how about we read it together? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then in verse 27, it says, So shall Aaron and his sons put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Did you see that? Aaron and his sons have been given the responsibility of putting God's name upon God's people. God's, God wants his people to know that they are his and that they carry his name. Everyone who put their faith in God, believing God and doing whatever God says, has God's name upon them. This is why, this is why we are called children of Abraham. Abraham was the first man of faith. He put his faith in God, and so we are children of Abraham. Likewise, we who are Christians, we have the name of Christ upon us. That's why we are called Christians. We have his name upon us and in us. Now, we have his name in us because we have put our faith in him. Does this make sense? We have the name of God in us and on us because we put our faith in Christ. Well, that's exactly the way it was in the days of Moses. They put their faith in God. They trusted him, and so they had his name. Now, when the people of God were faithful to God, his face was toward them, and the result was that they would have peace among themselves, amongst the people of Israel, the, the nation of Israel, in themselves, within, inner peace. And more than that, there would be peace between them and their neighbors. God produces this. This peace is supernatural. So this is why I say to you today that as much as we want to produce peace or generate peace, we can't do it on our own because peace is a supernatural work of God. In fact, Jesus describes it as a peace that comes from heaven, something that the world cannot give. And by the way, it's something the world cannot take away. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let me just quickly say this. You'll notice that it, uh, it, it talks about God's face. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. 
The Lord lift up his face, or here it says countenance, but can be translated faith, face as well. The Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace. What does this mean exactly? Well, God is saying that he's not like other gods. He's not like the gods of the pagan nations that surround Israel. When Israel was under the rule of the wicked King Ahab and Jezebel, remember that story? Ahab and Jezebel had led the Israelites away from God and had them worshiping Baal, the gods of the, of the, of the lands around Israel. And God moved in Elijah's heart to challenge the prophets of Baal to a duel. You may remember the story. Elijah stands before the people of Israel and says, let's see today who the real God is. And the prophets of Baal said, all right, you have, you, you have a deal. Bring it on. So which, what, what are we going to do? What's the contest? What, what will the duel be? And Elijah says, well, what we're going to do is we're going to construct an altar. And we are going to, we are going to put uh, an offering on this altar. And we're going to pray to our God. And whatever God consumes the offering that's on the altar, that's the one who will be the true God. All in favor, say aye, and away they went. So Elijah said, you guys go first. Because Elijah knew nothing was going to happen for their God. So he said, you guys go first. So they start chanting and doing their rituals. They're running around the altar, and there's the chunk of meat laying there. And, and they're shouting to their gods, and Elijah is looking at his wristwatch. <laughs> well, you just work with me on this. <laughs> His sundial, an hour's gone by, nothing, two hours, nothing. And they're, they're, now they're starting to cut their bodies, bring, drawing blood, because they're desperate, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Finally, they are exhausted, they're worn out, crying out to their gods. They're not getting anything from God, from their gods. So Elijah says, are you guys done yet? You want to see some real action? So finally, they, they just can't do anything. They're, they give up. They're exhausted, running around in circles, crying, shouting, chanting, singing, praying, cutting them, their bodies. Nothing's happening. So, God, so, so Elijah says, okay, just show you that I worship, that we worship the one true God. I want you to dig a trench around the altar. And then I want you to get water, as much water as you can, and pour it over the sacrifice. And make sure the ditch is full of water. And now the prophets of Baal, now they're starting to mock Elijah, saying, oh, yeah, as if God can set that on fire with all that water. And Elijah closes his eyes, cries out to the living God. And before I tell you what happened, let me tell you how Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. He said, where is your God? Maybe he's gone out on a journey somewhere. Maybe he's sitting and in, in contemplating, meditating. Is that what your gods are doing? Maybe, maybe your God has gone to the toilet somewhere. <laughs> That's literally what it says. You can look it up for yourself, 1 Kings 18. Maybe your God's gone to the toilet and he's too busy. 
Well, Elijah says, well, now it's my turn. And he prays. And suddenly, mighty fire falls from heaven. And not only does it consume the offering, it consumes the altar and all the water. Everything's gone. Poof! This is what needs to come to mind when you talk about your God. The God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of the apostles. My God. He's a God that comes to us face to face. You don't have to go looking for him because he comes looking for you. You don't need to worry about him because he is a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. You never have to worry that God's losing control. God has everything under control. That's who God is. That's who our God is. And so that's what we're talking about, is God who comes to us face to face. Look, folks, as long as you have the shalom or the peace of God, you are content, and you know that everything is right with the world. At least that's what it should be. Now, again, this is why I'm saying if you are missing peace in your life, that this is a warning sign. Something is not right. You shouldn't be worrying about anything. Your heart should be totally at rest. This peace that, that comes from God is a supernatural peace. It's not a peace that you and I can generate. And there's some religions that try to teach you how to find peace. Close your eyes, cross your legs into a very awkward position so that it's painful. <laughs> Put your fingers a certain way on your lap, close your eyes, empty yourself. And then let the kundalini spirit come up your spine. Ooh, creepy stuff, man, creepy stuff. And that's what all kinds of religions believe, and that's what all kinds of people today believe. So Paul's talking about a peace that comes not from within, and not from other gods, but from the living God, the God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. This is who your God is. He is the prince of peace, the mighty God. This is who your God is. And everybody who puts their faith, their faith in God, everyone who puts their faith in the prince of peace has this supernatural peace. Not something that you generate, but something that God generates in you by his spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but this is thrilling stuff. God at work in his people. Not just on Sundays when you show up to cross yourself and sing a few hymns. No, moment by moment, day by day, the Prince of Peace is with you. We call him the Holy Spirit. Or as in the Greek, it's, he's called the paraclete which means the one who is alongside us. He's literally right beside us wherever we go. Wherever I go, the Holy Spirit's there with me. And that's why I have peace. And that's why you have peace or should have peace. Peace is being produced in us by the Spirit. The question is this, how do we get this peace? Well, there's only one way. 
you get this peace from Jesus by putting your faith in Christ, by being a believer. By the way, that's, that's all that God has ever asked from you and me from day one. Did you know that? From the moment that we were born in the Garden of Eden, God asked Adam and Eve to do one thing, to have faith in him, to trust him, to believe him. Oh, Pastor, I don't remember reading that. Well, you, you didn't say it like that exactly, but it's 100% implied. God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the day that you do that, you'll surely die. But guess what happened? Adam and Eve didn't trust God. They didn't believe God. They didn't put their faith in God. Who did they put their faith in? They put their, did they put their faith in someone else? Yeah, they did. Who did they put their faith in? Satan. Satan says, no, God says not true. You're not going to die. In fact, you're going to become like God. Take this fruit that God told you not to take. Take it anyway, and all your dreams will come true. Folks, Satan is still in the business of tempting us and trying to make us believe that we can have whatever we want and do whatever we want. This is what sin is. Now, the beautiful thing, folks, is when we do what God says, that is when we have peace. That is when we experience God face to face. So peace comes from God. It's a supernatural peace. The Apostle Paul tells us it comes through the Spirit. And Jesus basically says the same thing in John 14, 27. Here's what he says. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now, some of you are here today troubled and afraid. But Jesus has said, don't be troubled or afraid. See, but, but Pastor Allen, does, I, mean, I, can, I can still be troubled and afraid, can't I? No, you can't. Jesus said, don't be troubled or afraid. This is a command. Why can I go through life free of trouble and unafraid? Well, for one reason. Because you have the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who neither slumbers nor sleeps. This is, this is what we have. We have the supernatural gift that comes to us through Christ. Now, everybody who puts their faith in Christ, everybody who is a Christian, everybody who has the name of God upon them, has this peace that comes to heaven. And by the way, it's a peace that is, is not determined by circumstances. It has nothing to do with circumstances. Life, there may be chaos all around you, but inside, you've got total peace. Everybody else may be, may be out of their mind and going crazy, driving along, everybody's mad and honking, and, but you're totally at peace. Why? Because something supernatural is happening. The Spirit of God is working in you. Jesus is saying, you've got no reason. You have absolutely no reason to be afraid. No reason to be anxious. Now, one of the things that we're reminded of again and again in Scripture is that we are to imitate Christ. Does anybody remember when, when uh, Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? He knew he was going to the cross. He knew that he was going to suffer a terrible crucifixion. He, he knew that, that he would be spat upon. He knew that he would be nailed to a cross. He would be stripped bare naked and hung on a cross before the very people he was preaching 
the gospel to. He knew that was happening. And the hour came, he'd been praying in the garden, and suddenly the soldiers showed up. He knew, he knew what was happening. And now the disciples, they, they're, they're really uptight. They're really anxious. They're really afraid. Anxious, afraid, troubled. So troubled that one of the disciples actually takes a sword and cuts off the ear of one of, one of the soldiers. Now here's Jesus, totally at peace and calm. He said, what are you guys doing? Picks up the ear, puts it back, heals the man. Totally at peace. Not anxious, not crying, not running for cover. Who has the power of God at work in them? Jesus shows us this kind of peace. When by every human standard, he, he should have been anxious. He should have been uptight. He should have been worried. He should have been troubled. But you see, he has the power of God at work in his life. And this is what you and I have by the Spirit. Let me explain to you our problem. Because some of you are saying, I've been a Christian for so many years and I still struggle. There's a few things that you need to understand. The first thing you need to understand is that we are born enemies of God. Did you know that? When that little beautiful baby is born, that baby is born a little enemy of God. I joked about that one time, and, and Gloria told me I shouldn't joke like that. I was holding that little baby, and I, I said, this, this little baby is an enemy of God. <laughs> she says, you, you can't say that. When parents are dedicating their sweet baby to God. <laughs> oh, sometimes, you know, that small voice you're supposed to listen to. But this is, this is really what the scripture says. In Romans 12, 8, Paul says, if possible, so far, no, yeah. So if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Why does he have to say that? Because by nature, we are at odds with God. We are at odds with other people. That's who we are. That's the way we function. In Romans 5, 10, for if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled to God, shall we be saved by his life. So we're told, we're, we're, until we're born again, we're enemies of God. Did you know that? There's no such thing as being indifferent or being in a neutral state. You're either a friend of God or you're an enemy of God. There's no, there's no neutral ground here. And you need to understand that about yourself. In Romans 8, 7, it says that the enemies of God are people who are controlled by the human nature. So this is our problem. This is why so often we don't have peace in our life because we are now, rather than keeping in step with the Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, we are now in step with the flesh, with our, with our nature, with, what, with, what, with our feelings, with our emotions, what, what we feel. I deserve to be angry. I deserve to get even. I deserve this. I deserve to be able to tell people off and tell them where to go. Not if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, well, I expect that. But if you're a Christian, that's not the behaviors of a believer. And Paul says, I got I to tell you this. 
if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Because by nature, you know what you are. You're, you're, you're an enemy. You're an enemy of people. You're an enemy of God. Folks, this is why, and so you may have wondered this, this is why on the night that Jesus was born, the angel choir came from heaven singing what? Peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. What, what's the declaration here? The angels are declaring an end to the war, the war between God and humans. And this peace that comes to humans is through Jesus Christ. That is why he came to this earth. He came to be our reconciler or our mediator. He's the one that came to broker a peace offering. And Jesus said, I'm going to give my life so that these people can have peace with God. And he laid down his life. Folks, that's the real message of Christmas. It's a declaration that the war is over. Now, if you've put your faith in Christ, then you have peace with God. You've been reconciled to God. And the fact that you put your faith in God means that you are trusting in the righteousness of Christ and not in your own righteousness. Some religious traditions, they would have us believe that we have to be righteous in order to earn the love of God. But it doesn't work that way. It's not possible. Anybody that's been a Christian for any length of time knows that you can't be good enough. You never will be good enough. And even after you've been a Christian for many years, you still find yourself failing and messing up miserably. And you wonder, what is the matter with me? What's the matter with you is that you are a human, born with original sin, an enemy of God. And so what we need to do is we need to learn what it means to trust Jesus. You need to say, I trust you, Jesus, to negotiate peace with God. Everybody who is a Christian here today has prayed that prayer in, in, in some way, but essentially that's been your prayer. God, I'm trusting in Jesus to negotiate a peace with you. And again, the only way to be reconciled to God, the only way to have peace with God is through faith in Christ. Well, I said we're also born enemies of other human beings. By nature, we're jealous. Genesis chapter 3, we read about Adam and Eve falling, turning their back on God, failing to put their faith in God and, and, and taking the fruit. The next chapter... Literally, the next chapter, just verses away from that, we find Adam's two sons at war with each other. Well, more, it's more one son with war, at war with the other than the other with, with Cain. And Cain kills Abel because he's jealous. See, when the human nature, when our human nature is able to, to do whatever it wants, it becomes jealous becomes ambitious, it becomes covetous, it, it becomes uh, uh, full of, of hatred and, and refusing to forgive, full of grudges. In fact, the whole Old Testament is story after story after story of people who had no peace in their life because they let their human nature take charge or take control. And I'm saying this now to everybody here. Because everybody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody here understands what jealousy is. Anybody that does not understand jealousy, of course you understand what jealousy is. Remember Saul, King Saul, the first king of Israel? 
jealous of David, tried to kill him. He invites David to come and sing for him, play his harp. David says, sure, I'll do that for the king. What do you want to hear? Starts to play, starts to sing, and, and then suddenly Saul's so jealous that David picks up his spear and just heaves that at him. Thankfully, misses. That's the human nature. It kills peace in your life. And this is why we're told in Romans chapter 8 that we need to live our lives in step with the Spirit and we need to do what the Spirit tells us to do, not what our flesh tells us to do. We're covetous. Remember David? He's, rather than being out in battle with his fighting men, he's at home and he's oogling one of the neighbor women. He spots her, falls in love with her, Gets one of his servants to bring her over to his house. Has sex with her. Gets her pregnant. And desires her greatly. So much so. I'm short in the story. He actually has Bathsheba's husband killed. You see what happens when the human nature is allowed to take charge? It brings chaos and destruction. And it has... has, like a, it's like a domino effect. It affects all kinds of people. It affects everybody. So Uriah's life was forfeit. He lost his life because David was covetous of his wife. Let me ask you again, do you have peace in your life? I can guarantee that you do not have peace in your life as long as you are following your human nature, your human instincts. Because you're either at war with God or you're at war with others or both. But those of us who come to faith in Christ, we have the spirit of the living God at work in us. We know what it is to have God dwell in us richly. Here's what Isaiah says, what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Those who still reject me are like the restless sea, which is never still but continually churns up mud and dirt. There is no peace for the wicked, says my God. Those who don't know Christ, those who do not live according to the, to the Spirit, they don't have peace. And this is why it's so important now to go through this checklist If you are lacking peace in your life, it could be that you are living in disobedience to God. And folks, listen, you know instantly. You know instantly because the Spirit of God reveals it to you instantly. You have to think, well, what could it be? What could it be? You know the Spirit of God brings it to your memory. You know because you are consciously going against the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. There is no peace For the wicked. But for those who say, God, I want to follow you. God, I want to live my life according to the Spirit. You will know God's peace. And can I say this? There's nobody perfect here, myself included. Even the great Apostle Paul. Remember him? The great Apostle Paul, the one who is responsible for contributing 13 books to the New Testament. Even he had a spell of chaos and war. He and Barnabas had a big fight. These are the, these are the 
This is a, a dynamic duo going around the world preaching the gospel, planting churches, doing great things for God. And Barnabas and Paul, they had a fight. And it was over personnel. Barnabas wanted to bring John Peter, and Paul says, no, no, he, he, he's a loser. Apostle Paul, really? You're calling people losers? That's what he was doing. He's calling, no, I'm not having him along. He deserted us. He doesn't deserve to come with us. And Barnabas said, well, hold on a minute here. We've got to offer grace. We've got to offer forgiveness. We've got we to be, be kind to him. We've got to be gracious and train him. Paul said, no way, no way, no way. And they had a big fight, a big falling out. Even the Apostle Paul. So if you're sitting here today and you know that you've screwed up big time, and your life is not where it needs to be. The good news is that God forgives. Hallelujah. And God will wash away your sin. And God can continue to use you, even as he continued to use Paul and Barnabas. You see, ultimately, folks, what we want is we want to please God. How is it that 50% of marriages end in divorce? How can that be? Two people in love with each other. In love. Nobody else matters but my girlfriend. She's everything to me. My boyfriend, the best looking, the nicest, the greatest, the most wonderful. And then they get married. <laughs> what is going on? You see, it's a stinking human behavior. Well, it's not my fault. It's her fault. It's not my fault. It's his fault. If he wasn't such a jerk, but she wasn't so mouthy. Well, if he wasn't, she spends too much money. And he's, well, he spends money too, but I spend money on little things. He buys big things. He buys boats and motorcycles. I thought you guys were in love. I thought you, were, you made vows to God. You made vows in front of your friends. You said you'd be devoted to each other through sickness and health, through good times, bad times, laughter and weeping and crying and sorrow and happiness. And we'll be together forever because we love each other so much, except if you get in my way. You see the human nature? It's ugly. It's filthy. It's dirty. It's wicked. It needs to be put to death. And when your human nature is put to death... The Spirit of God can dwell within you richly and produce the glorious shalom of God. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, that in spite of our sin, you speak a blessing upon us. And it's your idea. It's your idea for Aaron and his sons, and all the priests, and all the pastors of all time to pronounce this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God, this is what we want. We're asking now, Lord, that in the power of the Holy Spirit, you would dwell within us richly, and that we, by your Spirit, would be able to put to deed our sinful nature, put to death our sinful nature. God, we want you to be glorified in our lives. And so we thank you, God, for this checklist that reminds us of that if peace is missing, probably sin is at work in us. So God, help us to take notice. 
Help us, Lord, to take action. Help us, Lord, not to let this slide. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, go in the peace of God.